This podcast was recorded at the American headquarters of the Ethereus Society, located in Hollywood, California, where service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to part two of Why the Ethereum Society. What I'd like to do first of all, before we get into uh, some of the major teachings and missions of the Cosmic Masters that are behind the Ethereum Society and that make up this organization, I'd just like quickly to recap some of the things that we covered last week. Firstly, how science and technology is showing us for the first time really in our history, how small we are in not just our own solar system, but also within this galaxy as a whole. And if you'll remember from that wonderful photograph taken by the Hubble telescope, just to take a grain of sand and hold it in a small portion of the sky just above the Big Dipper. And what is obscured by that grain of sand of 1,500 galaxies So we are, on the one hand, incredibly small. Uh, Also, we got into the concept of time and previous civilizations, how we've been on this Earth for approximately just over 18 million years, uh, having come from a planet we destroyed within our own solar system, a planet known as Maldek. And in that 18 years that we've been here, Firstly, just to again put that in some kind of perspective, uh, science is, is uh, teaching us that this Earth is about four and a half billion years old, and that being too fig- big a figure for us to really understand, if we liken those four and a half billion years to a 24-hour day, then the last 18 years represent just the last six minutes in that in that whole 24-hour period. So we are nonetheless relatively recent in our history on this Earth, and yet as we, as we reincarnated from that tremendous evolution, as Chrissy mentioned last year, that terrible cosmic crime of destroying the planet upon which we lived, it took us millions of years to evolve out of that uh, slime, that uh, radioactive slime, that we'd imposed upon ourselves, emerging eventually into the civilizations of Lemuria and later Atlantis. And those two civilizations literally represent in the 24-hour day the last few seconds, very, very recent. Uh, And yet here we are again. Of course, Lemuria and Atlantis were destroyed by uh, the gross misuse of atomic power in nuclear war. And remember... Uh, flying saucers became very commonly sighted in our skies in the middle of the last century when once again, having observed us throughout all of these millions of years um, from other realms of dimension, here we were once again threatening to go into a whole nuclear war. And I'd just like to read, because one tends to think, well, that was Nagasaki and, and Hiroshima, but That was just the very, very beginning. That was literally the tip of the iceberg of what was to come uh, over the next uh, 15, 20-odd years. Because after Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the United States tried to further develop the atomic bomb, which also entailed exploding many of them in the atmosphere. The Soviets, primarily because of spying, 
quickly developed their own atom bomb by 1949, and a nuclear arms race began. As a response to the Soviet atomic bomb, the United States went ahead with development of the hydrogen bomb, a weapon thousands of times more powerful than the atomic bomb. The first hydrogen bomb was tested successfully in 1952, which may account for the massive UFO presence in that year. This thermonuclear explosion was the equivalent of nearly 1,000 Hiroshima's, or in more recent terms of understanding, 70 Chernobyl's in that one thermonuclear explosion. And so these hydrogen bombs could only be tested in the Pacific as the blast areas were so vast. The Soviets managed to develop their own hydrogen bomb in 1955, and the Cold War was now typified by competing hydrogen bomb tests in the atmosphere. By 1957, the British were also testing their own hydrogen bombs. They also had to deal with the world's first nuclear accident at Windscale. In 1958, the second nuclear accident came from the Soviets with a nuclear waste facility called Chelyabinsk-40, which exploded east of the Ural Mountains. And according to the Cosmic Masters, 14 million people would have died if they had not intervened. At this time, nuclear weapons were started to be carried by missiles, as well, of course, by bombers and submarines. With agreement on a test ban beginning in October of 1958, the United States and the USSR had to finish their series of tests while the Twelve Blessings, which we'll speak about a little later on, were being delivered in London. By the time the test ban came into force, 289 tests had been carried out since 1946, with 111 of them in 1958 alone. Now, by 1960, to put this in perspective and why the Cosmic Masters were so concerned about what was taking place on Earth at that time, by 1960, the U.S. nuclear arsenal was the equivalent of one and a half million Hiroshima bombs. In 1961, after a confrontation with the United States over Berlin, the Soviets resumed their hydrogen bomb testing in the atmosphere, followed by the United States a few days later. In October 1961, the Soviets exploded the two largest hydrogen bombs in the atmosphere. The first was 30 megatons, the second 58 megatons, or 2,762 Hiroshima's, all in one explosion. So you can see where this was going and the intense concern by the cosmic masters at that time. In October 1962, the world came appallingly close to a nuclear World War III during the Cuban Missile Crisis. A major war between India and China also broke out at this critical time. And in June 1963, President JFK, John Kennedy, proposed a permanent nuclear test ban. And on October the 11th, the nuclear test ban came into force, and this is in 1963, and is still in force today. 
But before then, the United States, the United Kingdom, and the USSR exploded a further peak of hydrogen bomb tests, which dwarfed the previous one in 1958 with the equivalent of over 12,000 Hiroshima's being exploded into the atmosphere during this period. So again, this is just really to emphasize the critical period at which we were at. And um, again, having been there in Lemuria and Atlantis, and we've been told that we are not, we are, we karmically cannot destroy this earth. And so, with, because the earth herself had withheld an initiation, which is what we're going to speak about in, in tonight's class, had withheld energies that were due to her before we even came from Maldek. But had she been, been given these energies and released them, mankind, very involved, would not have been able to withstand those energies. And the only thing I'd like to just add to that before I hand over to Chrissy is that after the destruction of Lemuria, the ionosphere was put up around this Earth as a sort of protective screen, which prevented us from receiving natural solar and cosmic energies, which should have come to this Earth. But because of our tremendous involution at that time, we were not able to withstand those energies. And the ionosphere was intensified after after the fall of Atlantis, further uh, denying the Mother Earth of these critical energies which she needed. And within the law of karma, there comes an end to our free, to free will, certainly our free will, and a change had to be brought about. And so the masters, back in the 1950s, they gave us various means of helping ourselves prior to this critical change that was due to come, what they referred to as the primary initiation of Earth. And this was something that we never knew when it was going to occur, uh, but we will, we will go into all of that in this class tonight because that is really the beginning of the whole new age. That is the time when the Earth is really beginning to make inevitable changes that will affect all life on this Earth. So, Chrissy, with that somewhat lengthy recap, perhaps you would like to ex- go into more about these changes. There are several aspects to this change but they all dovetail together, of course. And I'm just going to start by talking a little bit about what we mean by the New Age. And this is, in astrological terms, the age of Aquarius, as we all know. But what does that mean? Well, the Earth apparently moves retrograde, which means backwards, through the sign, different signs of the zodiac, in a long period of time, in which, which is termed as great year. And this great year, this length of time, is 25,868 years it takes for the Earth to apparently move backwards. Of course, the planets don't really move backwards, um, but they appear to move backwards because of an optical illusion. And this retrograde movement takes the Earth through the sign Um, of Pisces, which has just left, into the sign of Aquarius, which it is now. I say it is there now because astrologers find it very hard to pinpoint the exact beginning of an age. So these ages last 25,868 years divided by 12, which is approximately, I think it's 2,160 years per age, but they vary in length. 
some are longer than others. So we've just come out of this age of Pisces. And the, what it means is, in human terms, is just as in astrology, as above, so below, the signs of the zodiac has, have an influence on us and that the planets have an influence on us, so too do the ages have an influence on us collectively, on humankind. And there are big lessons for us to learn in each of the different ages. And the age of Pisces, which was started about 2,000 uh, years ago, was, of course, heralded in by the Master Jesus, born not on December the 25th, but in the sign of Pisces, as we are told in our teachings March the 15th, beware the Ides of March, um, a very significant date, was born the Master Jesus. And he came to herald, or it came for many, many reasons, but one of them was to bring about this change of consciousness, to introduce into mankind's consciousness these aspects of Pisces, the higher aspects of love, of understanding, of um, a quest for the divine, the divinity within us. And this is the emotion of Pisces. It's an emotional energy, the higher aspects of which are love and sacrifice, as demonstrated by Jesus. And these lessons have been impinged on us for the last 2,000 years. And mankind as a whole has failed at times and has risen to the heights at times, but has been imbued by these, uh, this change in consciousness. And now... We are coming out of this. It doesn't mean to say we're leaving it behind. We are taking with us all we have learned as a race, the Piscean aspects, and we're going into the age of science, the age of technology, the age of instead of going into retreating uh, to find the divinity within us, the age of Pisces, now we are finding um, truth in the company of others. We're forming into groups to to form eventually the brotherhood of man. All these are aspects of the age of Aquarius. Now, I must just say that, as I say, it's hard to pinpoint when an age begins. But um, interestingly, in 1997, I drew up a chart for our master's birthday, January the 23rd. And um, for some reason, I drew it up in, in um, the area where Jesus was born, Bethlehem. I don't know why. And it formed a perfect six-pointed star. And I had the impression that this was somehow the beginning of the age of Aquarius proper. And like because it was a chart for the birthplace of Jesus, it was like symbolically the handing over of the baton of one age to the other. Anyway, this article was my opinion. This, this, um, this was my opinion only. But interestingly, it was published by our master just before his passing, actually, in Cosmic Voice. So I'll just throw that in. So I believe that the age of Aquarius has started, and it started proper. Of course, it takes a while for the ages to come in um, on our master's birthday uh, of the year of his passing. But, you know, this is, as I say, it's just uh, my opinion, and other astrologers would not agree. So this... We are now learning the lessons. We, I say we, humankind, are learning the lessons of Aquarius, which are very, very different from the lessons of Pisces. And in 2,000 years, we'll be learning the lessons of Capricorn, which will be a real reality check for mankind, and so on backwards through the zodiac until we have completed um, the cycle. And then 
the cycle will repeat itself and we will learn other higher lessons and so on and so forth. So this is one aspect of the change. The other one, which um, Paul mentioned, was, of course, the initiation of Earth, which was a huge change, not just for the planet, in which she had her long overdue initiation held in abeyance because of us, because we haven't learned the lessons we should have learned, but also had a tremendous impact on every single person, plant, animal, blade of grass on this planet and will do so in future. And so we are now, since the initiation of Earth in 1964, going into a time, going towards the time of our bright new dawn, into an age of peace and enlightenment. And um, I think Paul's going to talk about the other aspect of that, the next master and so forth. So this great change is, is a cosmic change. It's a change that's happening to all of us on this planet. And of course, the thing to do is to go with the flow of the change and to work with it. And the great news is that the cosmic masters being so much more advanced than we are and able to look down at us and see where we're going wrong and what we need to do gave us some tools uh, thanks to our master, we are aware of what these tools are. And these are very substantial tools. And the first of these tools is satellite number three. And um, this wonderful craft comes into orbit of this Earth several times a year. And I actually have the dates here. We're actually in the middle of one now. It comes into orbit of Earth from... Actually, I'll give you the dates in a minute. Its purpose is to intensify the karmic effect of the spiritual and selfless actions of anyone on earth who's doing spiritual work of any kind, helping other people, um, advancing themselves spiritually, and so on. Whether they're a Muslim, a Christian, a Hindu, a Buddhist, an atheist, doesn't matter. It's what they're doing to advance the other people, to help other people that counts. So the effect of these actions that people are doing throughout the world is intensified by the cosmic masters on satellite number three by a factor of 3,000 times. And this may sound kind of like a, an unusual concept if you've never thought of it before, but when I first heard of it, I thought, well, this seems logical and it seems obvious because I don't know if you've ever watched Superman, but... <laughs> A childhood fantasy of mine was to be some kind of superwoman who could be above the earth looking down and able to sort of beam down anyone on earth who was doing something good and, and help other people who are in trouble and, and sort of... And this to me is like um, the concept of satellite number three. It's like a, a super craft that is there to beam down with their advanced technology and their great spirituality and their great compassion can beam down on any single person on earth at any single moment in time during these spiritual pushes and help raise not only the person, uh, help to improve that person's karmic pattern, but also the whole karmic pattern of humanity as a whole. So this is one tremendous tool we have. And in fact, people listening to this, perhaps for the first time, they might say, well, how do I know? You know, am I expected to believe this? Do we see this craft? Well, no, we don't, uh, because it is invisible to radar for kind of obvious reasons. It has been coming into our skies that we know of since the 1950s when 
His Eminence Sir George King was given messages, transmissions to that effect, and was given the dates of the orbit of this craft, but it hasn't been, it, it can't be tracked on radar. So how do we know? The best way to test anything is through cooperating with it and feeling the results for yourself. Once I was on a, a radio show in, in Brighton in England late at night, and it was during a spiritual push as we are now, and just suddenly felt impressed to ask people listening to raise their hands and we joined together in a prayer to send out light and love and healing into the world. And um, the radio show host said at the time that he, th- he felt an awful lot of energy and thought no more about it because it wasn't a call-in show. But the following week, the radio station was bombarded with callers and some very interesting results that the listeners had, one of whom uh, saw a violet flame, others saw energies, another lady was able to go out of her house the first time in many years, and people had instantaneous healings. Well, it was nothing to do with me and the prayer I said, I have to say, but it was to do with the energy from satellite number three. And these people had it proven to them that there really was something here, you know. And this is what I'm asking you people listening now to do. Raise your hands in prayer and ask that light and love and healing is sent through you to the world. And know, be aware that a giant spacecraft from the planet Mars, which is under the control of a a great cosmic master, a lord of karma, Mars Sector 6, is beaming energy down on you now as you say this prayer. And the results of your prayer will be intensified by 3,000 times. Isn't it worth trying? So I'd urge you all listening to do that. Just spend a few minutes and try and cooperate with this wonderful craft and visualize its brilliant scintillating light coming through you. I'll just quickly give you the dates of these spiritual pushes. Later on, Dr. King was given the dates of the spiritual pushes, as they're called, the orbits of satellite number three, now and way into the future, a thousand years into the future. And they are April the 18th to May the 23rd every year. They, be, they begin at 12 uh, midnight GMT. July the 5th to August the 5th, as I say, we're in a spiritual push now. September the 3rd to October the 9th, and the final one each year is November the 4th to December the 10th. So do join in with this. This is one of the tools and I'm now going to hand over to Paul, who's going to talk about another of these great tools. Well, before we do that, it would be good to just play an extract of a, of a cosmic transmission that was taken by Dr. King um, from actually a master called the Master Theorist, from whom we take our name. Uh, we believe the Master Theorist to be a Venusian master. And this is just a, a short uh, extract, uh, as I say, by the Master Theorist. Uh, explaining a little bit more about satellite number three. This battery is not as far away as the opposite coast of your country. This battery can be tapped by you if only or when only to be hopeful when only you open your heart and live as human beings should live, 
in service for other human beings. When you do this, you draw down to yourself a great energy which vibrates you in such a fashion that you become a more whole and more holy cell in the body of the great whole. So that you may then send your branches outwards into the high aspects of mind and draw down unto yourself great wisdom. When this happens, great powers will be yours. You have not searched for them, but they have come. By karmic law they have come. Absolutely. And there are a number of ways in which the Ethereum Society cooperates with Satellite Number 3, uh, whether we are able to attend one of our centers or even as individuals around the world, as Chrissy mentioned, we're all able to engage in selfless spiritual action. One way we'll be looking at it very shortly, of course, is the 12 Blessings, a, a series of prayers given by the Master Jesus in 1958. But another way that we were given in the 1950s, or rather beginning in the 1950s, uh, in which to help raise the vibrations of mankind, a way that was given to us by the cosmic masters at this critical time, was through the charging of 19 mountains around the world. When I say charging 19 mountains, what, it, what this actually entailed... And we'll hear a little extract from Dr. King in his own words about how it actually began. But initially, Dr. King was told to uh, go to a certain mountain in, in southern England or a hill. We don't really have mountains in England. Um, but this hilltop in, in southwest England called Holston Down, this was on July the 23rd, 1958, uh, to be there around uh, about midnight, um, which I'm assuming is why this whole mission was, is known as Operation Starlight, because it would have been July, clear night. And it was on this mountain, Holston Down, as I say, July the 23rd, 1958, uh, at midnight, that Dr. King had an encounter, a physical encounter, with the Master Jesus. And what took place, Jesus directed energy towards Dr. King, who was in a deep state of somatic trance at the time. And this energy was passed through him, literally as a conduit, into the rock beneath his feet. At the same time, some energy was directed outwards towards the Middle East, and a crisis that was then brewing even then, back in, this was in 1958, uh, in the Middle East, fizzled out literally overnight. Such was the intensity of that power, of, of, of that energy. Now, of course, one has, you know, initially when one hears this, it, it seems strange, 
um, the whole concept of putting energy into a mountain. Uh, very briefly, there is a, a science, a metaphysical science called psychometry, where if I was to give one of you this, this watch, my watch, for you to hold, if you were tuned into this watch, if you closed your eyes and literally just tried to feel the vibrations within this watch, the chances are that you would pick up psychically impressions of myself because I have imbued this watch and all physical things, like they say, walk in, you know, a mile in another man's moccasins or whatever, because we imbue things with energy. And likewise, the cosmic masters were able to put energy into the rock of this particular place, Holston Down in England. And again, just as Chrissy was saying, the, be- the, the best way to test something or to, or to find out if it's true or not is to test it. And so go to one of these mountains. As I say, there are 19 of these mountains around the world. Uh, we go regularly here in, in Southern California to Mount Baldy, 50 miles east of Los Angeles. And to, to tune in to the, to the energies that are within these mountains and send them out to the world. And it's an incredibly uplifting experience. Every time one goes, one feels this sense of heightened energy that is just there, that, that has been placed there by the cosmic masters. So this mission began, in, as I say, on July, July the 23rd, 1958, uh, it took uh, Dr. King around the, uh, the British Isles over the next several months. Uh, there were actually nine mountains that were charged within the British Isles until in 1959, when he received a cosmic transmission from the Master Aetherius, saying, you will present yourself in the Americas for the purpose of continuing Operation Starlight and also to spread the cosmic message of the Master's in this country. And so in June of 1959, Dr. King came to America and lectured his way across the United States. He came, he was well known in the UFO field. There were people there to meet him. He was invited <clears throat> to speak at a number of cities across the United States uh, because here was this, as this, this was a time of many UFO groups. And here was someone who at least claimed to be in communication with these masters. And uh, he has a lectures his way across the United States, uh, arriving in Los Angeles in July of that year, 1959. And if we could maybe now just just play uh, an extract, another extract. This is Dr. King describing, uh, in his own words, a little bit about the charging of these holy mountains. These are the most important days in your history. The days of decision. And there is no two ways about it. The Master said this years ago, and it's been proved to any thinking individual. 1958 we had the start of Operation Starlight. And it came just just out of the blue. You know the story, you've heard it read over and over again. 
and the result was that the first mountain upon earth uh, was charged with energy which Mr. and Mrs. Everybody could contact. Had been a few mountains charged before this, but you had to be nearly an adept to contact the energy, to use the energy. But not from Holston down in North Devonshire. Mr. and Mrs. Everybody can go there, can say what prayer they like, a prayer from their own church, if they say it with a real feeling and a real heart, and spiritual power will flow through them, which they can send out for healing and upliftment of their friends, or relatives, or children, or to the world. And it was when that first mountain was charged, well actually no, it was before that first mountain was charged that I saw that there was a, there was a great cosmic move being gradually put into operation. Operation Starlight beginning in, in a apparently uh, ordinary way by uh, yours truly uh, being given orders to go to a certain part of Devonshire uh, with no metal on the body and it began just like that and just as simple as that however I was soon due to learn that there was a lot more to it than that because it took me three years to accomplish Operation Starlight throughout the world and in that time 18 mountains were charged through me by the Cosmic Masters and one mountain was charged by Saint Guling who is a member of the Great White Brotherhood. So very briefly, just to say where these mountains are, as I mentioned, there are nine in the, in the British Isles. Uh, there are four in the United States of America, uh, Mount Baldy in Southern California, Mount Taluk uh, by Lake Tahoe in Northern California, Mount Adams in New Hampshire, and Castle Peak in Colorado. And there are two, two in Australia, Mount Ramshead and Mount Kosciuszko. There is one in New Zealand, which is Mount Wakefield, and then there are two in Europe, Mount uh, or Madrigaflu in Switzerland and Luni Degler in France. And as, as uh, Dr. George King just mentioned, uh, there is Mount Kilimanjaro in East Africa that was charged by St. Guling. And after this had happened, after the, these 19 mountains had been charged, as you mentioned, in, in three years, three years and one month uh, to be exact, one thing that took place is that masters from the Great White Brotherhood, these are masters coming back to the Nine Freedoms who have passed through the initiation of ascension, but who have chosen to remain on this earth to help mankind. Uh, these masters moved into three of these mountains, one in the, in the, in the north of Scotland known as the Craig and Leth Chain, in the mountain known as Ben McDewey, uh, another one in America, Castle Peak, I just mentioned, in Colorado, and also 
Mount Kilimanjaro in East Africa. And all of this is part of, a, of the change that is taking place. These masters coming from their more traditional retreats in the Himalayas, uh, more remote places, the Andes, and obviously one or two other places as well, coming much more into contact with, with mankind. In fact, I had the opportunity to visit Castle Peak last year uh, with a number of other people from the Ethereum Society. And the energies which we felt on that mountain were absolutely incredible, uh, a never-to-be-forgotten experience. Another thing that took place during Operation Starlight, which uh, I should say was described later by the Master Aetherius as the most important metaphysical action that had taken place on Earth in the last 100,000 years. This is how important it was, because the times are so important. Here we are, again, at this critical stage, not seen since Lemuria and Atlantis, but coinciding, as Chrissy says, with changes that are taking place within the earth. So these, this energy that was given to us is absolutely essential. We need it. Uh, we need people to go to these mountains to tap into this energy, and especially during the spiritual push. But another thing that took place of major significance uh, during Operation Starlight was on the second mountain to have been charged, which was again in southwest England, uh, in the county of Cornwall on November the 23rd, 1958, when after that particular mountain or hilltop, whatever, however you wish to describe it, had been charged, um, Dr. King took uh, uh, one of the great messages. Uh, he describes it as a message of great hope, describing the coming of the next master to this earth. Because I think probably most, if not all, religious traditions describe the coming of another master course in Christianity. It's the coming of Jesus again. Um, and in all of these various religions, they describe uh, this master coming. And Dr. King took this message from a very elevated cosmic intelligence. And now I'd like to just play this in Dr. King's own words, this description of, and actually what was said at the time in the, what we call the Lord's Declaration. Now, this evening, I have for you all what I consider to be a message of hope, a joyous message, uh, one that will, uh, I hope, fill your hearts and minds with some definite belief in the future, not only your own future, but the future of mankind as a whole. The next master is coming. I was told this uh, quite a few years ago, I'll read you a verbatim statement which I heard in a Cornwall uh, in 1958. It was during an operation called Operation Starlight uh, when 
I was commissioned by higher intelligences to travel to certain mountains throughout the world, actually, uh, and at this time I was uh, going round the English mountains. And this operation had already started previous to this date, and this was the second mountain to be charged with spiritual energies as a holy mountain by, not myself, uh, I was purely a channel for this energy, but by the cosmic hierarchy. I was on this mountain called Brown Willy on Bodmin Moor, and probably some of you know that this is a place steeped in history. It is, or was, at one time, supposedly uh, the stamping ground, if that's the right word, uh, for King Arthur's court. And it is a very, very interesting place. Uh, I believe that not very far away from Bodmin Moor was the first a Christian church in the British Isles. Uh, I do not believe that the first Christian church was at Glastonbury. Uh, one of these days I have time, I'll prove this. However, I was on this moor and of course, whenever there's good, I'm afraid there's always bad. And after a, a rather harrowing experience, uh, to say the least, I stood on a particular part of this little hill uh, and uh, energy was put into a brown willy, making it holy. And it was then that I heard it. It was not a vague psychic apparition, not a voice in the head. It, to me, this voice was quite physical, outside of myself, and terrifying. I suppose a declaration like this had to be made to somebody, and I suppose I was at the right place at the right time so that the following declaration could be made, and I suppose the people who made it, or the intelligence who made it, uh, knew that I would uh, spread it throughout the world, which virtually I have done. Millions of people uh, have heard the words that I am going to read out to you in a moment. Uh, and I think that this 
is a great message of hope for humanity uh, in that the words themselves are complete and they leave no doubt whatsoever as to their meaning. In the past, we have had masters of great and unquestionable character tread this earth. Uh, Krishna, Buddha, Jesus, Patanjali, and others, I Ching, and others. Uh, great uh, beings who gave man uh, wisdom, knowledge, taught him the way back to God. But with all of these uh, beings, their true derivation was enshrouded in mystery. Uh, during the birth of the Lord Buddha, five disc-shaped objects were seen in the skies and the wise men knew that a master had come to earth. During the birth, or just previous to the birth of Jesus, one object was seen in the skies, and again the wise men knew a master had come to earth. Uh, this object is known throughout the world as the star of Bethlehem. Now, although these masters in the past were not of this earth, uh, even though they had terrestrial bodies, their birth was a mystery. There will be no mystery about the a birth, about the true a credentials of the next master. None whatsoever. I'll read you the declaration as I took it down soon afterwards. There will shortly come another among you. He will stand tall among men with a shining countenance. This one will be attired in a single garment of the type now known to you. His shoes will be soft-topped, yet not made of the skin of animals. He will approach the earth leaders. They will ask of him his credentials. He will produce these. His magic will be greater than any upon the earth, greater than the combined materialistic might of all the armies, 
and they who heed not his word shall be removed from the earth. This rock is now holy and will remain so for as long as the world exists. Go ye forth and spread my word throughout the world so that all men of pure heart may prepare for his coming. I could have denied the existence of this, but what kind of man would I have been had I done so? The greatest of all hypocrites, a coward, a man not worthy of the name. Very powerful transmission, and it emphasizes again the importance of the times in which we're now living. 1958, which is when that transmission was given and when Operation Starlight began, was a very, very significant year. As we heard in the beginning, I read out how it was a very bad year from the point of view of the explosion and testing of atomic and hydrogen bombs. But it was also, at the same time, a year filled with spiritual happenings. And what came along just literally four days after the start of Operation Starlight, the charging of Holston down by the Master Jesus, was a series of transmissions called the Twelve Blessings. And I'm going to ask Chrissy to tell us more about these, the 12 blessings. One thing I think is that uh, one reason for the beginning of Operation Starlight on Holston Down with the Master Jesus, and only one reason, I believe, was that it was like an initiation for our Master, this sort of contact with the Master Jesus prior to the giving of the 12 blessings, which, as Paul said, was a few days later in July 1958. And the 12 blessings were a wonderful series of teachings given through our master in a yogic somatic trance condition by the master Jesus, by no lesser personage than the master Jesus. When you, when you think about this, all these things that we're talking about tonight, one thing that springs to mind is how on earth could one man, Dr. George King, do all this? I mean, we've just heard that Operation Starlight started in July. Um, we heard that the second phase of Operation Starlight on Brown Willie, where the Lord's Declaration was given. And before that, four days after the beginning of Operation Starlight, the 12 blessings were given over 12 consecutive Sundays. Um, so this was while all these other things were going on. I mean, a remarkable part of the history of the Ethereum Society and the history of mankind at this time, in, this time I believe, is the work of, of Dr. George King. And this comes really home. And he said after, in the, the extract which was just played, he said, what kind of man would I be if I hadn't revealed this? Well, we are getting an idea of just what kind of man he really is. And this 12 blessings was another stamp of the greatness of Sir George King, actually. Because how many people could take uh, transmissions from such a great cosmic avatar as the Master Jesus, as he did. 
not only was this a very difficult thing to do, despite his advancement, but also it was a very controversial thing. And at the time, this happened in England, in a little basement in London, the Athera Society headquarters. At the time, he received death threats because many people uh, didn't like the thought that he was claiming to receive contact from the Master Jesus, as you can imagine. But the man that he was, the master that he was, he continued and did the task that he had, um, he had before him. And he took these 12 transmissions over 12 consecutive Sundays, which were an extension of the Sermon on the Mount given by the Master Jesus 2,000 years previously. And you might say, well, why did there need to be an extension? Wasn't that complete in itself? Yes, because now the Master Jesus has, the, the Piscean Age has moved into the Age of Aquarius where the cosmic aspects are being revealed, where mankind is reaching for the stars, literally. And now uh, the Master Jesus is giving the cosmic aspect of his teachings as an extension to the Sermon on the Mount. And not only are these wonderful philosophical teachings, but the important thing about them, the really important thing, is that he gives them as a practice uh, that anyone can use of any faith. And this is another of the great tools which we mentioned earlier that the cosmic masters were giving to mankind at this time of change. We have, now have satellite number three. We have the holy mountains, which Paul has talked about. And now we have the 12 blessings, this, this series of practices which we can use to send out spiritual energy into our world. So all of these tools we're being given are ways of humanity sending out more energy. And what is spiritual energy? It's love. So more love is being released into the world. Obviously, the cosmic masters look down on us, and I think any one of us could, right, look down on the world and say, what's wrong with this planet? What is lacking here? It's love. It's selfishness. It's greed. And we know, we know what causes it. And, but underlying that is this lack of love. And our master summed it up as the spiritual energy crisis. It's not so much the lack of oil or the lack of natural resources that's the real crisis, but this lack of love, this lack of spiritual energy. The cosmic masters saw this, and the master Jesus saw this, and this is one of the reasons that the 12 blessings were given at this time 52 years sooner than was intended in the cosmic plan, which is very interesting. They were given in 1958. They should have been given in the year 2010, and we're now in the year 2007. So interesting to see um, the um, interest in the 12 blessings over the next few years, because this is when it should have been given. But because of the state of humanity, because of what was needed, they were given sooner. So what are these blessings? We know they're an extension of the Sermon on the Mount. The blessings, the briefly, are blessed are they who work for peace is the first blessing. And this is a philosophical, uh, spiritual, metaphysical uh, tome from which much can be gained by the reader. And I highly recommend anyone listening to this who does not have a copy of this wonderful book to get one. And um, this is followed by a prayer, 
which anyone can use. The second blessing. Now, what we're doing in, when we say these blessings, we're sending out spiritual energy to the focal point of each blessing. And in this case, it's to those who work for peace. Remember the Sermon on the Mount was, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, we're sending our love to those who work for peace. This is the time to put our beliefs into action for humanity. So those who work for peace. We're sending love, we're sending energy to the group soul of all those people around the world, of any belief, it doesn't matter, who are working for peace. We're sending our energy to them. We're strengthening their actions. We're strengthening this group soul. Whenever energy is sent to a focal point, then a reflection of that comes back to the person sending it. So a reflection of that energy will come back to you, the sender. The next blessing, blessed are the wise ones. Of course, the wise ones are those great ones who've come throughout history, as they have, from um, the great white brotherhood, from the the higher mental realms, from the other planets, to help us, to give us teachings, to guide us, to heal us, and so on, who are with us now on this planet. Uh, doing the same. So we're sending now in this blessing our love, our energy to the wise ones in thankfulness for all they have done, in appreciation for all they've done. The third blessing, blessed are they who love, needs little explanation. Love is the great uh, force of creation, a great uh, force of preservation throughout creation. It has many octaves of um, It's an energy that has different octaves from the most basic to the highest aspect of compassion, of sacrifice, and so on. So we're sending out our energy to they who love, to all those who are sending out the energy of love. The fourth blessing, blessed are the planetary ones, those great ones who come to our earth unrecognized, with no appreciation Why do they come? Why do they leave their spiritual homes, their spiritual brothers, to come to us who couldn't care less on the whole about them because they come in great sacrifice, in great compassion, because they have a greater understanding of the law of karma, of the great laws of God. And um, as they have throughout history, they want to help us they want to um, help us understand and live the great laws. So we are sending our appreciation and our thankfulness to these ones, which is a great step forward for us when we say these blessings in our evolution, when we start to give thanks, whereas before we have taken for granted. Um, How often do you hear in religious practice people asking help and from the great ones, from Jesus, please help me, and so forth. There's nothing wrong in asking for help, but how how little time do people give back, give their thanks, offer their love to the Master Jesus and the other great ones? So this is a blessing that allows us to do this. The next blessing, the fifth blessing, blessed are the thanksgivers, those ones who turn the tides of the weather, who... who, um, are the ones, the Devic kingdom, who give thanks throughout our world. We are offering our blessings to these ones. Uh, The sixth blessing, blessed are they who heal. 
The Master Jesus says in this blessing that, and I'm paraphrasing here, those who give healing demonstrate more Christianity in one healing pass than all their devout brothers do in all their surface prayers. In other words, what good is that? What's really needed in these days is action, action in the form of healing uh, and so on. And healing is one of the great tenets of Christianity, as is reincarnation, as is karma, which was um, in the early uh, teachings of Jesus, which was taught by the early Christian fathers. Um, I have actually seen myself the, one of the original tomes by Origen when I used to work at King's College Theological College in London. Uh, they had in their libraries, um, I, I don't, they obviously weren't original works, but um, they had some um, works of some of the early Christian fathers or purported to be, and the actual um, teachings that were given, and very clearly reincarnation and karma were taught, as was healing and so forth. So we are sending our love, our, our, our healing, in this blessing to all those around the world who are raising or sending their healing to others, who are laying their hands on others, whether they be doctors, nurses, spiritual healers, faith healers, it doesn't matter. Um, they're dedicated to the healing of others, is a noble task, a noble cause. The seventh blessing, blessed is the Mother Earth. This is a great teaching in itself. And a great reorientation of thought is taking place when the Master Jesus gave this blessing in 1958. Now, in 2007, almost 50 years later, there is a cry for... We need to realize that we are responsible for the conditions on this planet. Now we are thinking about this planet. A few people still, but there is a change in consciousness. Whereas in 1958, when this was given, there was no thought at all of this living, breathing, beautiful goddess in space. It really wasn't until the astronauts uh, left the Earth and were able to take these marvelous photographs and uh, people were inspired by seeing the beauty of this planet that we started to think about the Earth as a goddess in space. So in 1958, this, of course, was way ahead of its time. And we are sending now our love to this great goddess, which, of course, we should do every day of our lives. We should live our lives in eternal thankfulness for, the, for this goddess because without her, we would not have a home we would not be able to gain experience. The next blessing, the eighth blessing, blessed is the mighty sun. We are, what are we? Solidified sunlight. We, give, we must give all our thanks also to this mighty sun, which, of course, the so-called primitive cultures did, and we, too, on this earth, will in the future, and some people are now through the 12 blessings. The ninth blessing, blessed are the supreme lords of karma who manipulate this amazing law of action and reaction, of cause and effect. As you sow, so shall you reap, said the Master Jesus. Action and reaction is opposite and equal, said the Lord Buddha. And of course, is a law of physics that this is so. But how does this work, this great law of karma that we are manipulating with every 
action with every word we speak. We are changing our karmic pattern and the karmic pattern of humanity. How does it work? It's, it is um, the great lords of karma, these great... There is, of course, a hierarchy, a cosmic hierarchy of great beings, of which the Mother Earth is a great being, the Mighty Sun is a great being, all the planets are great beings, the great lords of karma, and then the tenth blessing is to this mighty galaxy. We're really going into the far reaches of the cosmos now and giving thanks to the galaxy of which we are such a minute and tiny and insignificant part, and we think we're so... Uh, great and important, but when we realize we are a tiny, tiny speck, um, then we will start to really appreciate um, the greatness of the galaxy. This is really, by saying these blessings, we are changing ourselves. We are reorientating our thought processes held over thousands of lifetimes. This lifetime, where we're hearing now about the 12 blessings, is a crossroads in our evolution. An absolute crossroads. So then, of course, onto the 11th blessing, to the supreme lords of creation, which hold creation in manifestation. And finally, the 12th blessing, given in October 1958, blessed is the absolute. And this is a fantastic blessing, which describes, um, in the words of the Master Jesus, given through Dr. George King, divinity describes the absolute, it describes God, Brahma, Krishna, whatever you like to call it, is a, the, the most wonderful, poetic, profound, metaphysical description you could ever hope to, to read, to say, to pronounce. Um, so this, this wonderful series of blessings can be practiced by anyone, and it just takes 15, 20 minutes And uh, not only will it uplift our vibrations by practicing these blessings, but also uplift the whole world in that degree. So I'd now like to hand back to Paul, who will talk about another aspect of this this history. Well, I think you've you've really summed it up there, Chrissy, by calling this a crossroads in our evolution because that is exactly what it is. And I want to now sort of bring the focus back to what all of this was building up to, which, of course, was the primary initiation of Earth, when the Earth herself was overdue but was going to be given tremendous cosmic energies to take her to her next level of initiation in her own path of evolution, in the whole process of going back to God, something that she had withheld from the time we came to this earth over 18 million years ago. And many of the transmissions that were taken by Dr. King at this time all were leading up to this initiation of earth. As I, as I mentioned before, none of he and those who were with him at the time did not know when this uh, transmission, this initiation was going to come about. However, what did come through in, in March of 1963 was another cosmic mission as we had Operation Starlight, the charging of the mountains in cooperation with masters from other worlds, uh, Dr. King was given another cosmic mission that had to be performed prior to the initiation of Earth. And this was a mission called Operation Blue Water that I'm just going to touch on because it was a very necessary aspect of the whole cosmic plan. And once again, it shows the folly 
of humanity with our atomic experimentation that had at least partially caused this problem in the first place. I'm going to read just a short extract from the transmission given by the master theorist in March of 1963 to give a better understanding of what Operation Blue Water was about. It will be necessary for one or two short voyages to be made off the coast of Southern California so that a certain pattern can be described in order that the radionic apparatus to be built may pick up very definite energy waves which will be beamed directly upon it at certain specified periods. This energy, after being picked up by this apparatus, will then be stepped up and released into the sea as the vessel is performing a specified and quite exact pattern. The apparatus has been quite outstandingly conceived by your leader so that it will, be, it will perform exactly this function. The energy waves so potentized and released within a defined pattern will then be projected through the intervening depths of sea so that they will impregnate the earth beneath. The whole area will, of course, then become highly charged with energies, but these energies will not be for the same purpose as were the energies in Operation Starlight. I should say this, this portion of Southern California is a psychic center of the Mother Earth. Just as we have psychic centers, so does the Mother Earth. And it, it's through these that energy flows. The master theorist goes on. Also due to man's atomic folly, the delicately balanced filterization units around the planet have been grossly mutated, causing her natural protective barriers within these screens to be very much weakened. Also, atomic radiation within the thermal belt of terror has caused a warp of existing magnetic fields which permeate the etheric path of the planet through space. This magnetic warp has, in turn, caused severe magnetic flux within the ether of her predetermined path. The result of all this is that certain subtle forces, which normally should intermingle with the five major universal life forces radiating from the sun, have not been able to blend in accordance with predetermination. As a result, you have had to have frequent help from outside sources, such as satellite number three, and various other forces from interplanetary sources and so on throughout the gamut of intervention. As a result, you have had to have the performance of Operation Starlight, where energies which, by the way, should flow quite naturally, but cannot because of the reasons I have previously stated, had to be concentrated within specific parts of the surface of terror. The new operation will be in accordance with the necessity to concentrate energy in specific parts, only this time the energy will be for, as I have previously stated, a different purpose than that given to you and placed in the mountains in Operation Starlight through the unique abilities of your leader. The new operation also must be performed at this time as a definite function prior to the cosmic initiation of terror. And a part of that is because the energies which <coughs> were going to be given to the Earth could have thrown this Earth from her present axis. And therefore this imbalance, this 
magnetic warp had to be corrected. And I'm just going to play an, again another extract from a lecture given by Dr. King to help just explain a little bit more here about the significance of Operation Blue Water. This extract uh, is just touches on Dr. King, again, just referring back to the Nine Freedoms, which had been given, of course, in 1961 and which we discussed last week. And then he also touches on, very briefly, the Cuban Missile Crisis, which I referred to again at the beginning of this class tonight. So, Mark, if you could please just play this extract um, leading into Operation Blue Water. The Nine Freedoms made their impact upon all realms of knowledge on Earth and gradually have in the past and gradually will more so in the future alter the thought pattern of those who are ready, whether people have read the book or not. There's been hundreds of thinkers quote from the nine freedoms although they swear they've never read it definite move taking place it's coming up to some kind of a climax and you knew it and you could feel it and uh, if you're in in any position at all especially in my position you thought what is this climax going to be and uh, of course the whole plan was complicated by uh, silly actions on the part of Cuba, uh, interference on the part of Russia, uh, and idiotic actions on the part of America. And we suddenly had a little flare-up like the Cuban crisis. And that war could not be allowed because it would have interfered with more delicate moves which were obviously coming. So the war was stopped, and was stopped dead in its tracks. I had the honor of taking the transmission of energy which stopped the Cuban war. And uh, we're in a position to prove that it did, actually, if you go to records and dates and so on. And if you lived in America, just on the edge of that Cuban crisis, you knew very well that if there had been a flare-up, it would have been a nasty one, because they did have atomic missiles in Cuba. And those atomic missiles in Cuba were aimed at key centers in America. And they did have atomic missiles in America aimed at key centers in Cuba. About two of them would have knocked the island out. And aimed at key centers in Russia. And Russia likewise had atomic missiles aimed at key centers in America. And we were on the edge of war, but it couldn't be allowed because it would have stopped another manipulation which had to come about uh, because it would have stopped another delicate manipulation which had to come about, and it had to come about at a certain time. So we had Operation Blue Water on uh, July the 11th, 1963 uh, and ended on 
November the 29th, 1964. Notice when it started, July the 11th, 1963. Right the way down the coast of America is a huge fault line in the crust of Earth. All your experts have stated for years that cities like San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, stand at the gateway to annihilation, and they do. They can be a devastating earthquake in San Francisco or Los Angeles at any time, but it couldn't be allowed at this time. So it was stopped by cosmic intelligences. They used uh, the Aetherius Society, uh, which, by the way, they founded, really, was founded to be used by cosmic intelligences, not by other intelligences. Uh, they used the Aetherius Society to do this great operation, to provide just enough energy at a strategic point on the Earth's surface to counteract the vast underground movements of rocks. And it only needs a certain amount of energy at a certain time, in a certain place, in a certain way to do this. And the uh, fault line has still not cracked open. Although every scientist on earth who knows anything about the San Andreas fault line says it's a miracle that it hasn't gone. And don't think you wouldn't have felt the repercussions in England, friends, because you would. People in America would have got their feet wet like four miles of water over Los Angeles, but you'd have felt it as well. There, Everybody on earth would have felt that if that had gone. But it couldn't be allowed to go at that time. It was in the plan that it shouldn't be allowed to go at that time. It wouldn't have done the world any damage as such. It would have been an essential cleansing. When she wants to clean a certain thing, what happens? Krakatoa. You know what Krakatoa was? It was a psychic center. She decided to close it and she has ability to self-heal. So she closed it and she closed it in what? Three, four, five hours? And you had an explosion that went round the world for what? Three years, four years? Uh, the energy exerted by the blowing up of Krakatoa was what, equal to three, four, five atom bombs, according to experts? That's what the world can do, and if she has to cleanse herself quickly, she can do so. Sooner or later, the San Andreas fault line will go. But it's been held up. Oh, and by the way, when it does, it's going to be a devil of a mess. It's going to cause an axis flip.
because of the tremendous liquid masses you have underground along that fault line. We heard from Dr. King the great power of the earth and the example he gave of Krakatoa. And of course, the earth has held this great power in abeyance for us, for, for mankind, for her great compassion. But she could no longer hold this up any longer because the great Lord said she had to take her rightful place in the heavens. And the primary initiation of earth took place on July the 8th, 1964, when this great goddess was given more energy since her inception as a planet. This was her primary initiation. And this was a great cosmic event. This was a great event in the history of humanity and the history of this solar system and beyond. And this event we heard about through the grace of Dr. George King, who took the actual transmission of the primary initiation of Earth as it was taking place by the great hierarchy of this solar system because the, the lords of the sun took part, the, the lords of Saturn, and all the hierarchy, all the cosmic cooperators in this solar system worked together to bring about this primary initiation, which will bring a gradual change to the earth as she gradually releases her great energies in a gradual fashion. And um, also the ionosphere will come down. As Paul mentioned earlier, the ionosphere was put up after Lemuria. And this was to protect us, but also it caused, it meant that the Earth was unable to receive the, the cosmic ray bombardment, which she needs. And so when the ionosphere comes down, it will be, um, enable the Earth to receive these cosmic rays. And it will be, it will mean that mankind will have to change. And this change needs to be taking place now. And these tools that we have been given will help mankind to change. Another thing that will happen is that uh, the seasons will become as one and eventually a bright new dawn will um, appear on this planet, this great age of peace and enlightenment when um, this will be a wonderful time. But unfortunately, those who are not ready for this and we have to start to become ready now by using the practices that we have been given by through, you know, becoming um, whatever religion you have, doing it as best as you can and really spiritualizing yourself. And if, of course, we can't withstand this new age of peace and enlightenment, then we will be reborn on another younger planet. So this was a great historic moment in the history of Earth and the history of mankind. I'd like to introduce now a transmission extract by the Master Ethereus, just a short two-minute extract about this. When she had her initiation, she took within herself great and mighty energies. Stupendous powers were manipulated by that a great being, Mars Sector 6. These powers now lie within Terra. 
whenever she chooses, she can release the powers within her inner batteries and quicken all vibrations upon her surface. Change the seasons, alter the mountains, move the seas into different positions because they suit her better in different positions. She won't choose to do this herself, you know. But one day the gods will speak. And when they do, the change will come. And terror, no matter how great her compassion may be, will be given a directive which is in accordance with strict law. And she will act. And after this, moment of turbulence there will be a great a new dawn and a great new awakening for those who are ready men of terror this is the truth I think just as we close now, Chris, you mentioned these energies are gradually being released. However, it was not necessarily going to be that way. They could, the Earth could have chosen to release these energies in a very short space of time, literally a matter of a few minutes, and we would all have been thrown off into the other realms, awaiting rebirth possibly on this Earth, but probably for the vast majority of us upon another planet, as, as Chrissy mentioned. Next week, we will look at some of, the, uh, some of the consequences of the initiation of Earth, at least the initial consequences. Uh, Dr. King said earlier on in one of these extracts, where there is great good, there is also bad. And it did shake up the lower astral realms of this Earth. And so we'll be looking at that next week. Thank you very much. This completes part two of Why the Ethereum Society Lecture Series. Please visit us next week when we continue with part three of this excellent and exciting lecture series which describes the massive and mighty mission of the Ethereum Society. Until then, please visit us at www.ethereus.org, your cosmic connection. Thank you.